everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Natter the Zillennial Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Parent, and I am joined today by Paxi. Hello, how's it going? I'm okay. I've got my tea. I also moved my comfy chair over to the microphone, so now I'm like feeling nice and comfortable and cozy. <laughs> Life is good. Awesome. Do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what we'll be talking about today? Yeah, um, so... Uh, like Natalie said, I'm Paxi, and I guess we met through going to McEwen um, for music, um, which is something I do. So I'm a singer-songwriter, um, and I play under the stage name Wada Wada. And then I am also an avid maker, interdisciplinary artist, crafts person. Haven't really like settled on a, a practice or a like. <laughs> name for that but I like making things I need to make things to keep myself sane and happy so <laughs> yeah that's uh that's what I I do so I engage in so many different kinds of arts and I'm just happy if my hands are busy then I'm pretty much good <laughs> anxiety free so <laughs> let's dive right into it when was the first time you felt the call to make something anything Right. Okay. So, well, I have my like first art story, um, which of life, which I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> and it start it started apparently when I was like one or two years old, um, when my parents are both musicians, and um, for some reason, I don't know. My dad's a visual artist too, but for some reason, they just never um, thought of giving me art supplies as a kid. <laughs> and then I had this babysitter. So really I thank my babysitter for all of this because um, whoever they were, they brought over some uh, paints, like some of those, you know, those kid paints that are like oh, yeah. rainbow color on the strip and it's got the like plastic um, paintbrush and like all that. So apparently like I just loved it and I could not, stop doing it and then I just that was like my thing from then on was just like um yeah painting making things and my my mom said that like as compared to my brother who could last like and if my brother happens to hear this this is absolutely no <laughs> he's actually I would say that he's like even more skilled than I am and he's 17 currently I'm 25 and um <laughs> He's, he's an incredible artist and an incredible maker, but he, when he was little, he used to be able to only last like maybe like 10 seconds <laughs> with crayons and paper before like attempting to eat and or turn the crayons into a train. And it was this whole thing. But my mom said that when I was a baby like that, or when I was little, I could sit for like hours on end with a single piece of paper and a box of crayons and just be like, totally fine so I think it's just been something that I've just I guess ever since that babysitter <laughs> I've just <laughs> always done and I'm just always like happy doing so it was just kind of an innate thing that was a part of your little baby brain <laughs> yeah exactly it makes my brain happy and I think that's the thing with these um with like all this crafting is that and I've especially like learned throughout the pandemic that it is something that really keeps me grounded and keeps me literally sane and just happy and so um it's not like I'm not like jumping for joy when I'm crafting but I'm just like I'm fine and I'm stable and that's like a really big big important thing for me so yeah. there's something so human about making something even if it's just for fun or like you said, just a grounding activity, even if you're not doing it to actually have an end product. That's why so many people are turning actually back to appreciating art during the pandemic. And I'm low-key scared about what's going to happen afterwards. Right. I hope people still have the time to just sit down and try to make things, even if they don't self-identify as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so as a multimedia artist, how do you feel about those who stick to just one art form do you oh. feel limited yourself do you have when you have to do that um I think my thing is that I I'm so like um so also I'm very into astrology so sorry if I bring that up but oh, my, no, totally bring up everything okay good my um 
so I have an Aquarius Venus. Venus is the planet that like um, represents love, but not just in relationship ways, like also in aesthetics or maybe like the friends that you're drawn to. So I found a lot of my really good friends are Aquarians or have strong Aquarian placements. But also, okay, where was I going with this? Oh, right. Aquarians <laughs> love projects and like starting a billion projects, but like never finishing them. And that is so me. Like I just mm -hmm. always like new hobby. I just have, I, this is where it all, this is the problem. This is where it all begins. I have a hobby. I start doing the hobby. It's exciting. And then somebody's like, oh, that's, that's really cool. Like, can I like buy that off of you? And then I'm like, sure. Yeah, that's cool. I, people paying money for my hobby. That's cool. And then, and then it just turns into like a thing. And then, mm -hmm. then, then it starts to feel a bit like homework too. Cause then I'm like, mm -hmm. now it's no longer a hobby. It's like my job, but it's also like, I really am privileged to be able to sell the things that I make because, um, yeah, it's just, I, I much rather do this than like have a, really have a boss or like, I just like being my own boss, but that's also been challenging too. Like I've been learning now that I guess I had like a position that ended at the end of November. And then I was, Oh, oh my God, sorry. My cat just, that's all good. <laughs> um, uh, a position at the end of the, of November that ended. And then I was like, Oh, I, I'm gonna just like not apply for another job. And then I was like, Oh, I guess this means like, I'm freelance now, like, and then I was like, okay, well, I guess in order to make money now, I have to make things like consistently. So it's been an adventure, but I guess I've strayed away from your question about like it, like having, what did you say about people who have one, like one practice? Yeah. I guess like, now I kind of have like my main practice, which is beadwork. Um, but like, I, I need to keep it fresh too. Like I can't just do beadwork all the time, even though that is, I do love it. Like, and something amazing for me, like transitioning into being freelance is that when I was procrastinating on homework with beadwork, I was like, actually, I don't have to feel guilty for this because it is <laughs> my job yeah. to do beading, which was a cool moment. And also like, haha, now I can procrastinate more. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah planned <laughs> procrastination it's planned and it is still productive yes exactly it's still productive and I don't I'm so bad like I'm so I'm I'm it's also a challenge you totally did not ask me about this but I'm going to answer a question you didn't ask which sure. is about like feeling just like my feelings right now about like being very like anti-capitalist but then like selling my art yeah um, because it's, it's just like, I can't, I have to survive in this capitalist place that asks me to pay rent, pay money for rent. So yeah. I, I need to be able to pay my rent, but I've also been very happy to do some trades with some people. Like, um, one of my friends owns a vintage, an online, like vintage store. And I need, so I got some mixing bowls and some mugs for some earrings and then somebody one of my other friends gave me some like old like really expensive hair dye that she didn't like and wow a couple of tarot readings in exchange for a pair of earrings and Sick. then um yeah so it's it's been I I've enjoyed that side of it but it's also just it does feel a little bit weird to be like and now give me money for this thing that is like a, just a very like intrinsic and like I was saying like a grounded practice that to me, money as currency is not very grounded. It's not. I totally agree. Um, yeah. I think in my very first episode, when I introduced myself, I went on a whole rant about fuck capitalism and fuck Apple. Um, <laughs> yeah. And later on, I've also said fuck Amazon and all that. So don't worry. We're fully anti-capitalist. <laughs> but I do want to go back to what you said about people just, asking you suddenly like hey can you make something for me because I like your work your right. posters that you do for your music amazing yeah. I oh. love them yeah I um I I dabble like I said I I'm I'm a, a man of many hobbies I will just make 
anything that looks interesting, like a new interesting kind of hobby that I haven't tried. I'm like, great, I'm going to do that now. That's my thing now. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I had a friend who made posters um, uh, for the Empress and he taught me how to use like the, cause I'm so, I'm so technologically adept. Like, as I told you, I'm like, I still use Safari and like, <laughs> I am sure that if I had, no, I would not use Internet Explorer just to be clear if I was on a, a You would become a meme if you did. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I just like, my parents also super, or my dad more than anything, super anti-America, anti-capitalist to the point where like, I grew up without... We also just like didn't have a lot of money too. So I've, I've net, like I've very limited experience with video games and we didn't like, I remember like, we didn't really have, we had like the basic TV channels like CBC and Treehouse and then, but we didn't have a microwave and like all this stuff that like when I moved into first year university, that was like the first time I used a microwave in residence and then I, I just kept like burning things. Oh my God. One time. I like, (laughs) I tried to melt chocolate chips in the microwave. Oh no. But I didn't know that they don't change shape, but they do become. (laughs) So I just kept, I was like, why, like, what is happening? What's wrong here? Why? I should have just used the pan. Like I was grown up learning how to use the pan and I ended up like basically melting my plastic bowl. It was, I should have just stopped. I was also like 18. So like, you know, but. I should have just stopped and been like, something's wrong here. But anyways, why was I saying all this? Not good at technology. Oh, the posters. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a learning curve and it's still very like foreign to me. And also this whole like recording setup I have right now. Like I, um, I guess for people listening who can't see, I have, um, uh, like a condenser microphone and a, what's this uh, pop filter and this interface and all this fancy stuff that I um, was privileged to be able to purchase. Um, but like setting it up and because the, the reason I got all this is because of COVID like recording isn't in the studio, isn't really an option right now. Um, or it's like just too unstable and on and off and wishy-washy to be able to like rely on it. But I still want to, push my music career forwards and so I have a friend who's helping me record like via zoom uh screen share and then like he's like these are the settings you should use and this is how you set up logic and all this stuff that like I totally ignored in our second year like <laughs> class of how yep. to use logic and so I'm like relearning it all now and 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 so yeah anyways that's my ramble about technology and the posters and I'm so happy like I love I love digital art it's so fun but I totally it's just something that I like mess around with like when when there's a a, a poster needed I'm like hi does anybody want to make this or can I make it and then in my head I'm like please say me please it's me please (laughs) I think that's a really huge part of art today that we don't talk about a lot or at least like in in arts artistic spheres we do but the general public probably doesn't know that we have to do everything ourselves these days music record labels unless you're huge don't do shit for you I don't know what things are like for visual arts and all that but yeah knowing all of the skills yourself get you through different doors so much quicker and also you save a lot of money as much as money isn't the goal you need to put food on your table you can buy supper instead of paying someone to make a poster you make it yourself it's important absolutely I think um I I'm like I said like very I feel very privileged to just be someone who is not trying to toot my own horn, but also just trying to be um, like realistic and empirical about my skills. And I've just, when it comes to like artistic things, I've just been very privileged to be able to just know how to pick it up um, and figure it out on my own. And I think like I did build that skill for my parents, like especially just growing up with not a lot, like a lot of my artistic skills, actually, I've been thinking about this a lot lately come from like, not being able to afford like fashions or Halloween costumes and stuff like that. And my mom 
like my mom always used to make everything and my now mom too yeah oh that's so yeah nice. <laughs> and um like now like I feel like sewing is a really expensive hobby which really sucks but like it used to be I even just remember when I was a kid like it used to be a practical practical thing to do and so um yeah I think a lot of and even like when when I started making earrings and usually when I start any craft it's because like I can't it's I want the thing I want like blank but I can't afford it so it's just easier for me to figure out like I can't afford a graphic designer right now mm -hmm. so I guess I'm just gonna figure out how to do graphic design and do it myself and it might not be perfect but I think it looks pretty cool and then on top of that it's just got my like my own vibe going then it's like and I, I love being self-sufficient as an artist in that way and as a musician too is just like I made all of this <laughs> so yeah that's my yeah and as much pressure as it can be for one person to do it's a, a big confidence builder as a human being I find even for me putting together this, this podcast I had no idea what I was doing but I'm like ah I made a thing yeah I'm so proud of it I think that's so cool yes I just I'm gonna cheers the air to um yeah, cheers cheers to uh you doing this podcast and I guess this is the first podcast I've ever been on I've gotten Welcome. so into podcasts lately um I guess I'm not like I can't call myself a podcast expert or anything but I yeah what are your favorite podcasts I'm not interviewing you but now I am I, oh geez we can totally talk about that I love ologies by Ali Ward my friend Katie introduced oh. me to it and it's a lot like this podcast where it's every week they're talking about something different and it's all about ologies so different like everything except Scientology basically so um <laughs> marine biology and you know that kind of stuff so all of these different experts are talking about scientific things and sometimes they're about social issues or um medical things and it's just you learn a lot and the host is super cool she's awesome it's Allie Ward um so yeah I definitely recommend that one to absolutely anybody what are you listening to I I've heard of ologies and yeah I I just right now I need fluff and so right now what I've been listening to is beach too sandy water too wet have you heard oh, of it? no it so hilarious <laughs> like I have laughed out loud while listening to this it's a it's a I think they're siblings like a brother sister duo um who I think are out of Orange County or maybe I'm wrong. It's somewhere in the States. Anyways, they basically, they read the internet's worst like Yelp reviews and like- That's amazing. Product reviews and like, it's, I, it's so funny. I would really recommend it. And also like it just, it the way they communicate is so engaging and it makes you feel like you are like in, in the room with them. And it's really nice. Anyways, if you need a good laugh or giggle or, chortle or whatever the heck I would definitely <laughs> recommend that I'm um, actually really excited to check that out now yeah yeah so yeah I have a like a long list that I can't even remember all of them but I I'm like I'm also a big book tape person mm -hmm. um but like I said like I I always need to have my hands busy so like I'm not very good at sitting down to like read a book um because I can't be multitasking like my mm -hmm. brain I think that's where I was going with the whole consumerism rant. I just remember <laughs> was that like, I have to feel like I'm being productive, which really sucks because I'm like anti-capitalism, anti-consumerism. But then I'm like my, my brain, like I have mental breakdown if I can't, if I'm not like, if I didn't like accomplish, if I didn't climb a mountain every single day, I'm like, oh, I'm a terrible human being. <laughs> and it's 10 times worse after being in university when you're constantly stressed. And the second you relax, your brain's like, no, you have an exam, even if you totally yeah. fucking don't. Yeah. Have you been yeah. getting, I guess you're, you're done now, right? I, I'm done, but my brain is still recovering from it. Yeah, um, do you still I, have nightmares? I haven't had any nightmares, but I have um, for the past few months, been actively avoiding um talking about gigs and stuff like that everyone's like oh I miss gigs and I'm like no like keep that talk far away from me I'm so right. tired and right. it's only just now that I'm missing the social aspect of being around um yeah of actually being out there I like talking about it the podcast is a great way to talk about it and engage but actually thinking about doing it is still so much for my brain yeah yeah totally I remember after I graduated because another part of my life is that I used to be in theater 
Um, and I went to theater school before I went to music school. And after I graduated, like years after I was still having nightmares. <laughs> oh, God. Like... I can see that, though, because when I did theater in high school, like, again, don't want to toot my own horn, but like I got some leads. Um, <laughs> and I just I would have nightmares that I forgot all my lines in the production tanked and it was always about theater oh, yeah. stuff and never any of the other things I've been a part of in my mm -hmm. life theater's mm -hmm. a different beast mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it truly is it truly <laughs> is yeah so I want to jump back to talking about beating because you've mentioned it a couple times and it's what you're currently focused on how right. did the beating thing start yeah um well once again because I was like wow that's beautiful I want it but I can't afford it um I'm just gonna try making it myself and so I started out beating like last October, not like the one that just passed, but the one before. And I was like, I was like, okay, great. I, I, I'm, I've totally got this. Like, what do I need for beating? So I, I tried starting. And if anybody who's a beater is listening, I did it with wire, um, which now my friend m makes fun of me for for starting that way but you can't like basically make these super intricate bead works with wire and of course it failed and it just did not work very well and I sold like one very questionable pair of earrings <laughs> and I was like oh god this is like not this is not working and I don't get it so I abandoned the practice because I'm also a perfectionist and like if I can't succeed at something right away I'm like done with it but then came the apocalypse yeah and in March, I tried again. I was like, oh, people, because I, I, you know what? I stumbled upon, so my favorite beater is Bronwyn Butterfield, who everybody should go follow on Instagram. And she makes just the most gorgeous earrings. Um, and I saw, first, my friend tagged me in one of her, like, posts of, she makes these a couple different kinds of earrings, but one of them are like um, snakes. Like they're 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 little snakes, and I I love snakes. Anyways, <laughs> um, I was like, oh my god, I've never seen like earrings like this. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And then I started following her, and then one day she posted this like video of like her beating, but it was like sped up, and she was using thread, and I was like, oh my god. You're you're supposed to use thread for me. Supposed to use wire. <laughs> I wouldn't have known. No, of course not. Like if you don't know, you don't know. If you've never mm -hmm. been taught. So then I was like, oh my god. So actually, like I'm self-taught, but it. I have everything. I have Bronwyn to thank for everything because I literally just watched that video over and over again and like like didn't slow it down, but I like pressed pause. I just mm -hmm. took my like. But apparently, so I've learned, it's been quite a learning curve and I, I really enjoy it. But uh, when I did start using thread, I started using sewing thread and sewing needles, which I now know that there's actually such a thing as beading thread. And it's like, oh. it's much smoother. Like, I guess the like sewing thread I have is like cotton. And so when you're pulling it through these tiny, tiny beads, like seed beads, they it, it there's too much friction. But the... Um, excuse me, the thread that I use now for beading is called Nymo. And I, I'm not sure, I think it might be silk. Oh. It looks very silky and it's very like slippery and smooth. So when you're pulling it through the beads, it just like glides right through and you still of course get knots and it's like a whole thing, but um, it, it's like, it works so much better. And then the other thing I found out through months of doing this is that um, you there there are actually beading needles which are like compared to sewing needles they're like a hair like they're just so tiny really so thin yeah I wish I, I should have brought some over to like show you not that the people I'm listening will be able to see but yeah, there's we can post like, a photo on social media yeah yeah that's true yeah they're so they're really they're really 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 tiny needles not like short um but like thin very thin and um, of course that works much better when you're going through these tiny beads. So the first like mm -hmm. 
two months of me beading, I was like getting so frustrated because I was trying to force this like cotton sewing thread through these tiny beads with like a super like thick needle compared to the beads. And like, it was, I was like super gluing beads back together and it was this whole thing. And then, you know, I just like being self-taught, you just like learn as you go. And I, yeah. So now I, I use fancy beading thread and fancy beading needles. And I totally don't remember what your question was, but that. <laughs> I just asked how you got started in beading. That's it. Right. And right. Yeah. So. I love that so much because uh, just everyone has these things that they know that you don't know that they know until they tell you. And like beading is one of those things. Like I didn't know there were special threads, special beads, special everything. Like it is everything out there is its own special little art that you need right. to learn the yeah. ins and outs of I think yeah, that's, I it's, so, it's it's the it's not the best for accessibility but it's very like interesting like this could be an episode of ology right now yeah. this is beadology <laughs> Bead. <laughs> Beadology. <laughs> You're talking about the ins and outs of beading. And by no means am I an expert at all. Like I, I, so many of these people that I follow on Instagram that are like so amazing because that's where like, unless there's somewhere else, a beading community that's somewhere else that I don't know about. Mm -hmm. um, I think most, especially in the pandemic, like I, the beading community is big on Instagram and a lot of people sell off their Instagram pages, which is what I do. And um, like, if it weren't for that, like I would have, I would have no idea. So I'm so grateful for that. Another thing that if anybody's interested in beading um, or starting the who's listening, I would um, definitely recommend following um, the beading circle. It's called that on Instagram. And it's out of Ryerson University, which is also how I got started beading because I got the supplies or at least what I thought were the supplies. <laughs> and um, it, every other Wednesday night they meet over zoom and they used to meet in person, but they, they put it over zoom, which now, um, it's just like a, it's, well, it's for indigenous folks, but like also settlers and other, and like immigrants or whoever are welcome, but it's like also just trying to like make space particularly for indigenous folks. Um, but they, uh, yeah, it's just, it's such a chill time. And now that they're doing it over Zoom, people from all over the world have joined. And so like, that's the other place that I find beating community in general um, is just like, yeah, doing that. And it's also been really nice to like, I'm indigenous, but I'm also a settler here. And so um, it's been, it feels good to like have learned a skill that I can pass on to other indigenous friends who've been disconnected from culture because now like I have a few other friends who've taken up beating because I took it up. Well, not like, they're not like I'm doing everything you're doing, but in the yeah. sense of like, um, like hanging out together, we were like, I'll like, I'll teach you how to bead. Like, let's do this. I'm so, such a nerd about it. I'm just going <laughs> to share my practice with you, but it's, it's good too, because then like I, it's, it's just spreading the accessibility of, um, of culture, um, which I think is really important and like feels like real kinship, like to mm -hmm. share that practice together. Yeah. It's really important to me in that way. So that's my big long ramble on <laughs> how I got started beating, but now I'm definitely not stopping anytime soon. And really too has been like, besides music, has been the only like art form for me that has stuck like that I haven't like picked up as a hobby for like two or three very intense months and then just like dropped like a hot potato <laughs> um, so it's been I mean yeah so right I was saying all the people on Instagram that I follow like some of them have been beating their entire lives or like for years and years so I feel like baby beater and so <laughs> but it's also good like so that's what I was trying to say I'm not an expert but um yeah what do you think it is about beading that makes it such a such a grounding thing that you want to keep in your life? Is it because of the community aspect of it, maybe? Like it has something more behind it than just distraction? Yeah, I think I think um there's a few things. Like one time about knitting, because I used to be a big knitter. Um one time my therapist or the my therapist at the time told me that like crafts like knitting or beading are really good because they require 
patience and mindfulness, but also like every single time you complete a stitch or every single bead I add is like a small success. So it's like small endorphin for your brain. Mm-hmm. And so your brain's like, oh, good. Like I succeeded at one tiny little thing and, and, and just like being mindful of that. And I think that's like part of what's grounding about it, but then also definitely what you said, the sense of community, um, being reconnected to culture in that way. Um, yeah. So awesome. that's, that's, what's good about it for me. I've been asked, wanting to ask you about your beading for quite a while, actually the patterns that you do, are they all from your head? Are they traditional patterns? Are they from your inspirations? They are all from my head for the most part. And I do draw inspiration from um, textiles that are indigenous to my nation. Um, Because actually my nation isn't so into beading. There is some beading. I don't know how they do it, but basically uh, we have this kind of hat called a tulu, which is knit, but they knit beads into the hat which I literally do not like the physics of it. I do not understand how you get bead on thread uh, because what you do knitting, right? I've done crocheting before. Okay. Yeah. I thought Mm -hmm. I remembered you doing some sort of textile art. Um, Yeah. So, well, even with crocheting, like you have the ball and then you have your piece yeah. And the string goes in between the ball of yarn and the piece that you're working on. So how do you get the bead on the string? Like I don't it physically, I don't how I'm trying to visualize how? what you would do. Like you push the bead under or like I don't know. Anyways. Uh oh. I think my doorbell's about to ring. Oh no. Never mind. Okay. Um yeah, I so I do not know what that is about. I have no clue how those people get those beads on the string. But anyways, um, so mostly the the main like textile slash art practice um, down in, so I'm, um, I'm from, uh, my ancestors are Aymara, which is a nation um, from South America or Abiyayala. And, um, the main practice down there is like weaving, uh, but also knitting. And then like also this like beading knitting crossover, which is pretty insane to me, but I don't, I would like to learn how to weave. Um, I'm a bit like, I'm like one thing at a time. I'm like, okay, I'm doing this beading thing. Um, but like apparently our stories used to be all woven into textiles that then of course got like destroyed by the Spaniards. Thanks Spaniards. But um, bastards. Yeah, literally. Um, but the um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, the textiles, yeah, they used to have our stories, and so there would be different like symbols that would mean different things, and it was just like a way of like recording our history and all of our stories and family histories and stuff like that was all woven into textiles but then it's also a practical item because Mm -hmm. like it's a blanket or a way to carry like a baby or a sack of potatoes or like we're big on potatoes so like um yeah lots of yeah so anyways i would like to learn how to weave one day um i'm not sure that i have the patience for it which is funny because like you would think that because I'm work with tiny little seed beads all day long that I would, but I don't know. It's in my future. <laughs> but anyways, you were asking how I got inspired by my design. So a lot of the a lot of our colors that we use in the textiles are like super bright, like neon, mm-hmm. literally neon, um, and just very colorful. And it's funny because I didn't really realize it, and I was very much for most of my life, a very like only wear black person. I guess like after I was, after I hit my emo phase, like, <laughs> like most of my wardrobe was like black or purple and nothing else. Um, up until like recently, I've started wearing color again. And- yeah, because I know you as a very colorful person. Right, so this is the thing. Everybody says that. And then, and it's the same thing with like, 
people who've talked like other beaters who've talked to me about my beadwork they're like they're like wow like your use of color is amazing and I'm like what like I don't I don't know inside I'm a like emo like <laughs> still like um I in my head I still only wear black um but yeah people have been <laughs> like you're colors all of your colors and then I just think that I started after I kind of heard those comments I was like embracing that more and yeah people do say that they're like you're such a colorful person and I don't feel like a colorful person but I'm glad that people think that like that's nice uh so (laughs) it's nice that it expresses itself that way through that art style like what if you hadn't found beating maybe your artistry and something else wouldn't have been colorful. It would have been the little emo child coming out. Like, yeah. who knows? I think my emo, my emo child definitely comes out in my music, like mm-hmm. only writing sad songs. Um, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's definitely like a part of me in that way. But yeah, besides that, yeah, I, I, I just draw from a lot of like, for us, there's a big respect for nature um and like also the cosmos Mm -hmm. and like everything outside of this world there's like three realms of being there's the I hope that I say them all right so if like other Aymara or Quechua listeners are like oh my god they said it all wrong um but there's like um the uku pacha pacha means earth Many like hippies probably know the word Pachamama um, or like you probably heard that before as like a term for Mother Earth. Um, so that that is uh, is is the Aymara or Quechua word for Mother Earth. Um, but Pacha means like Earth. And so Ukupacha is like the underworld. And then okay. there's oh shoot. I forget the name for like the the plane of existence we're on, and then there's the Alex Pacha, which is like the the like we don't really have like heaven or hell. There's not like nothing is intrinsically bad. There's like only intrinsically intrinsic <laughs> like things. We're basically <laughs> an entire nation of people that are like things exist. <laughs> We should take care of them. Um, I think that's a good philosophy. I think we need more of that philosophy. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so things exist, and things exist on the exact plane that we are. We can perceive, um, which is this plane on Earth. And there's things under the ground, and there's things above the ground, and things exist in all of those realms. And so um, in the Alex Pacha, which is actually the 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 um, namesake of my my music name, Wara Wara. Wara means one star in the sky, but Wara Wara refers to all of the like constellations and the cosmos, but also the concept of like time and space and existence, all kind of like wrapped into one term that is like basically incomprehensible. It's like trying to describe what is incomprehensible about life. Um, and like the name that I was given at birth by my grandmother, which I just used the first part, means moon. So all of these things to do with the cosmos and the moon and the stars and the sun and all of these elements that are a bit intangible to us as lowly humans on earth is like just a point of I don't want to say fascination, but just like deep respect for me. And so that's where like a lot of the inspiration for, for my art comes from. And um, I also seem to have this water theme in my art. And I haven't, um, so a lot of nations have a creation story. Mm-hmm. Like you might be familiar about the one about Turtle Island and why we call it Turtle Island. So we also have one that I don't really know, um, which sucks, but I've been told by elders, uh, by, well, I was told by an Anishinaabe elder, elder um, that she traveled to South America and spent a bunch of time there. 
and she learned my creation story. So she was like, one day if I find that piece of paper with the story on it, I'll send it to you because she had it translated so that she would know what it was. But what she told me is that um, our people traveled on this like long journey up a mountain to like access to find water and it somehow the water like came from the stars and like the the sky so i don't really know the full details about that and there might be other like stories or maybe she got my nation mixed up but who knows like i just gotta take what i can get and um she so it was really really nice to hear that story because i think even if you look at the the like European side of my ancestry, like the connection between, um, like in things like in tarot and and stuff like that, like Mm -hmm. the connection between the moon and water is like really big and really prominent. Um, and so, yeah, I have a, and it's totally, it wasn't intentional. It's just been stuff that I've been drawn to my entire life. Um, I was born on a full moon and my name literally means moon and I just happened to put it and water symbols in pretty much everything that I do. And that also goes along with my love for snakes because um, like a lot of, I I guess like um, there's a tale about the Amazon Mm -hmm. river and how like there's this whole thing with like these two twins twin snakes and like this this big long story and teaching about them but like i think a lot of rivers and i think this is pretty pervasive in a lot of cultures really across the entire world is like the the shape of the river reminds us of snakes right and a lot of snakes do live in or around bodies of water and and streams and rivers and all that sort of thing so um i think like yeah, snakes have always been a really important symbol to me too, along with that. And so uh, uh, a lot of people, like, I have this one earring design that people are always asking, like, is like, oh, I, I love your snake earrings. And uh, or they're like, oh, I love your river earrings or like really? whatever else. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't really know what it is. It's just nice, uh, nice swirly design that I like. That's just so amazing how universal that pattern is. Yeah. That's what people get out of it. Yeah, I like, and, and so that's, I guess, answers your question about like, in that sense, where do my designs come from? They're just out of my head, but I, I really, it brings me great grounding and comfort to know that like, part of that is just like ancestral, like this like symbolism that is just natural for me to, I just express myself in this way naturally, but it like is connected to mm-hmm is connected to both both sides of me like the european side and the indigenous side is like this this idea of of water and natural elements um so well it's it's breathtaking how 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 it seems like it just works through you all of these cultural things that you even weren't aware of worked through you into your hands, putting something back out into the world. But it makes sense then that astrology makes sense to you because it's also a part of something that's within your heritage. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, the, the whole like stars thing, the whole water, water thing, like it, it absolutely totally makes sense. I think like a lot of the time I'm like, life does not make sense. Like, why am I here? Why was I born? Not in the sense of like, what is the meaning of life? But like, please take me off of this earth. It's (laughs) terrible. But also like, I am, then there's some of those moments where I'm like, ah, yes. I, like you said, like it just, it, it like worked through me. Like I didn't, it's just intrinsic and yeah, feels good. (laughs) There's like a small sense of relief amidst like, the global pandemic and the like global warming also pandemic and like and and the state of just everything forever and I also don't want to say like the state of the world lately because that's like one of my pet peeves because it's like not it's this is not lately this has been since at least 1492 yeah this has been the world for centuries yeah exactly I'm like it's not lately I just like all of it sucks (laughs) But then there's those those couple bright moments of 
like, oh, yes, I made snake water moon thing out of bead. (laughs) People want to help me pay my rent when I make these things. So, yeah. It all comes full circle in that way. What's been the most rewarding uh, project you've made out of anything? I know that's a huge question. Yeah, that is. I'm really thinking. Um, geez, uh, the most rewarding thing I've ever made. I feel like, um, just, there are some people that like buy a pair of earrings and I'm like, cool. And they're like, oh, I love, I love how this looks like this looks so cool. But there are some people that I'm just thinking like, like, for example, when I make things for my brother, that means a lot. Um, and that's been my whole life. Like, I find my relationship with him to be very rewarding because, um, like, I just love seeing him happy. And I love, I definitely, like, gift giving is a love language for me. And um when I give things to him and I see like how happy it makes him, it just makes me so happy. Um, So that's rewarding in one sense. And also like being able to reconnect him with uh, some culture too. But also like, I think those exchanges I've done, those are really rewarding. Um, But then also just making, I really, I can, I am notorious for complaining about um, like customized work because I do, it feels like homework to me and it's kind of like a drag. But when there's like, I made this one pair of earrings for a friend who had recently lost her mother and they were like inspired by the flowers that her mother used to grow in her garden. And I think that like, I knew that making them and that did mean a lot, but there was like, she made a post like a while later that she had attended grief group wearing the earrings and for the first time actually opened up about like how she felt and um god I'm gonna get like all of yeah, them yeah I know we do already <laughs> but like it just um like a lot of the things that I make it's like oh I made a I made a pretty thing like cool now there's more aesthetics in the world but sometimes there's just like that connection that really really means a lot and so yeah that meant a lot to me and some of those customs that aren't just like i want a nice pair of your earrings that's nice and i definitely appreciate that but um there's some that are like i want this thing that's going to bring me this comfort or this memory and yeah i think that's also a special thing about slow fashion in general is that Mm. like um in this beating circle I attend online there they they often have guest speakers um and one of them I forget which one was saying though like these these pieces are they're expensive for a reason like they they take hours and hours to hours to make and are made with so much care that and I know that's not the most accessible thing to a lot of people and so I try to like I do sliding scale pricing for all of my beadwork but I think like what this guest speaker was saying was that like these are like these are not things that and I I guess I just never realized this before but like these are not things that you're just gonna like get bored of in a few years and like give to Valley Village or something like Mm -hmm. the way that they this person described it is they said like it's an heirloom piece in that like it's, it's something that you're investing in that will be like passed down to other people, most likely. Um, it's more than just an object. Yeah. And so I think that's like something that is really, really special about, about this kind of work is that it's like, it's not just, you know, it's not just like another pair of earrings from like forever 21 or whatever. Mm. (laughs) Um, and it's and it, not just some Becky making it for a school project. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that in that way, like everything that I remember that everything that I do is meaningful. Um, but, yeah. 
Yeah, art impacts the world. And you were the first guest to get me this close to tears. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing, people. It was because of the beautiful stories. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, do you have any um, new projects you're working on that you can share about? Or are you kind of diving into the same things, keeping a routine going? Yeah, well, I I want to like just be able to innovate every single pair of earrings and everything I do. But then I realized over the last couple months that sometimes you just got to like make the thing that makes the money. <laughs> so sure. like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because I, I tried to get like a little bit experimental with some pairs and uh, they they didn't really hit it off. And I think like, okay, like I need to also give my, myself room for experimenting, but in that, like, I still need to be like making my rent and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So I'm right now, I'm just going to sit back on some designs that I have been making for like that swirly design I was talking about. I'm just mm -hmm. making them in like every color I have. And uh, so I'm hoping I have a plan for January, February and March for three beading drops. Um, and I'm really excited. I'm actually really excited for, so these, Jan this January drop, I guess this is, if you're listening to this podcast, you are getting advanced information that I Hell have not yeah. released onto Instagram. So I'm going to tell you because I'm really excited. <laughs> okay. So January, we've got our swirly, snaky, watery designs in monochromatic colors. Cause one of the first pairs I ever made of this was translucent, like pylon orange with like opaque pylon orange and one of my favorite jewelry makers ever bought the pair and then I was like oh my god I feel so honored that's another honoring thing is like when you're the people that you look up to are like I love your work or I have bought your work or like even I'm following you and I'm like oh my god this is congratulations so cool. thank you <laughs> um and then so but uh people seem to really like that pair so I've now made them in like blue, dark blue, green. I'm going to make them in basically every color that I possibly can that's monochromatic and release those at the beginning of January, probably. And then February, I want to make these little <laughs> heart earrings because so many people like requested, I, I like put out a feeler, like, what do you want to see upcoming work um and some people were like i want pinks i want for valentine's and some people were like valentine's drop and i was like okay that's another thing is is realizing that so much of this like freelance work goes along with like holidays and stuff and i'm not a big like i'm a very like cozy christmas vibe person but i'm also like fuck christmas like i hate this <laughs> holiday it's awful um and so i anyways valentine's day so i'm making these little like heart on chain earrings and I'm going to make them in more colors than just pink, but I'm going to make a lot of pink ones. So I got a lot of pink beads. I'm not a big pink person, but I know some people really are. And so yeah, I'm making those and then they'll gobble them up. Yes, exactly. That's part of it is like knowing what the people will like. And then March, um, I want to make some more, like I made some flower earrings and I think like, Hmm, March springtime time to, do some flowers. So that's my that's my upcoming ideas for that. And then the other thing that I'm big working on right now is my um, recording. I'm working on recording an EP um, that will hopefully be coming out in the spring. That's all I'm going to say for now. That's so exciting. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. Yeah, that all sounds so amazing. Ah, yeah. And it's a it's a quarantine EP too. That's amazing that you did it all yourself. Yeah, well, with huge help from the audio engineering person who's helping me too. Um, so that's well, what's his name? Catlin. Shout out to Catlin. Yeah, shout out to Catlin. Exactly. He's been so patient with me as I've been like, I don't know what equipment to buy. I don't know how to use Logic. How do I make my microphone go on Zoom and like all this stuff? It's definitely a huge, 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 huge learning curve for me. But I'm, yeah, I'm really glad because we actually started recording this EP on 
or like a project without really knowing it was going to be an EP or anything. We started a recording project on March 13th or 12th and then the entire world shut down. And then, uh, so we had one session with like guide vocals and some instruments, not the like full band. And yeah, that's now a, that song's in a graveyard now. So, because right after that, like the literally the day after it was like, everything's canceled, everything's closed. And yeah, the day that McEwen shut down, I was actually at the studio, received the email saying, hey, students, get out of the building, we're closed. And I was supposed to be recording for my EP too. No, <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, yeah. it's like half an hour before the session. All right, bye. So I gotcha, <laughs> we're in the same boat there. Yeah, yeah. So. That's tough. So a very important question. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for other people who want to be interdisciplinary in their art or people who are just afraid to start something new because the learning curve is so great for most projects? Yeah, uh, if you're knitting, don't start with a scarf. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, okay, I'm sure be serious. That is serious (laughs) advice, though. If you are wanting to take up knitting, do not, I repeat, do not start with a scarf. Longest, it is just a long rectangle. You will not build necessary skills to learn knitting. And because it will, I mean, you'll build skills. That's for sure. You'll be making a rectangle, but like st- if you start with a dishcloth, like dishcloth, much more manageable because otherwise you will get really bored and then you will not want to make it anymore and you'll set it down because you won't have a finished product and then you'll be very, very bored. I guess that is maybe my overall advice is start small, like, and don't start with the expectation that it's going to work. <laughs> and maybe I should listen to my own advice on that. <laughs> so frustrated when it doesn't work but that's really like yeah and also like don't be afraid to reach out and ask people for help like I know if you are um if you are a beater like or want to do beating I should say um like just send your favorite beater a message not in the way of like do labor for me please but like hey, could I ask you some questions about beading? I've been wanting to get started. Because more often than not, and some people do have some really good boundaries around it and they'll make it clear, like they'll have an FAQ on their page and then go look at their FAQ before you go ask them a question. But for the most part, like uh, there's just a lot of knowledge sharing that happens, I I notice, in the beading community. And I think it's, like, it's really good. And... um, but also be mindful of who you're asking. Like if you're a settler, for example, don't go asking like a First Nations person from Turtle Island to be like, teach me how to be now because, you know, your great grandparents already took enough. (laughs) Um, But like, yeah, so being mindful of that, but also like definitely encouraging people to like, you know, reach out to me or be like, hey, I would like, I would love to learn how to bead. I will pay you. Will you teach me? And so there's always that like honoring of people's work. But yeah, I guess like being resourceful in that way, that's big advice. Hi, kitty. I have a kitty on my lap. There's a cat. Okay, we're going to have to share a photo of your kitty. Can I see? Oh my goodness, that is a cute kitty. Hi. Okay, everybody who cannot see, I will post a picture on social media with Taxi's permission, (laughs) if that's okay. (laughs) I'm allergic to cats, but I think they're so cute. They are. My dad's allergic. And most of my partners in life have also been allergic. It's this whole thing. But I'm not allergic. And I also was not a cat person when I got him. I actually hate hated cats, like, with a passion. Like, I I used to have a panic attack if they came near me. Because when I grew up, there was this... When I grew up. (laughs) Working with the assumption I've grown up. um, (laughs) When I was a child, there was a evil neighborhood cat and her name was Cinder and she bit off the back of my hand and I had to cat sit her often and she oh. was just a piece of work and anyways it made me really afraid of cats but then one time I went to the Humane Society and I'm also I'm a Pisces so I'm a big like suck for like also wait you're a Libra right I have a Libra. No, I'm Sagittarius oh I always forget I don't know why I was thinking you're a li- Libra anyways I, I have a Libra moon too I'm just a big like sucky baby for like animals and stuff like that and so I went to the humane society and I was like 
I feel bad for the cats who don't have a home, even though I'm like mortally afraid of cats. I'm going to go pet the cats because I feel sad for them. So I was going like playing with the cats in the cat rooms. Then I find out there's a whole room of cats called Catitude Cats who are, it's basically like kitty prison. It's really sad. Also prison abolition. I'm not trying to be like, humans in cages it's not any better um but there's also kitties there in uh at the humane society that are deemed unfit for like regular cat buying customers oh that's sad because they allegedly have like behavioral issues or they're not potty trained um but and so a lot of a lot of people like will get those cats well not a lot of people get those cats first of all but if they do like often these are people getting these cats to be like barn cats and that sort of stuff who don't Mm -hmm. necessarily live with people but just like scamper around and eat mice and stuff like that anyways i went into the catitudes cat because i was like oh my god like these poor cats they're in like separate they're in like in it's like a wall it's like a wall of kennels like it's Mm -hmm. a wall of like um like the bars just just a wall of bars and in each little kennel it's a very angry cat um and so i went in there and there was this one i opened the door to this one kitty and it just like pounced on me and i thought it was coming to eat my face off and like you're also not allowed to go in there without supervision of like a human society like employee or whatever um it's like a it's a whole thing anyway so i'm in so i open his cage he pounces on me i instantly start like hyperventilating panic attack mode my emotions like go off the wall because i can't be by cats without freaking out and these are like the spooky cats so (laughs) i'm like shit. but then he just like pounced on me and like sat on my shoulder like a parrot and then just started like cuddling me and purring and just like then my emotions were all heightened anyways. I, then I just realized this cat really actually just needed some loving. And then I started like crying because oh. I was like, oh my God, this poor cat. And oh, I, did I mention the catitude cats are free? Like they're, they're free oh. cats. You pay the adoption fee, which is $20, but they're free because nobody wants them. It's so sad. <laughs> anyways, as you can see, he's all curled up on my lap now. And um, we've been inseparable ever since he's like never i mean he'll tell you when to stop petting him but in general he's like the sweetest just like if anybody has ever interacted with oreo he is so cuddly like to the point that actually it's quite annoying he must (laughs) be touching you like at all times so he comes with me everywhere around the house he's more like a dog and honestly I feel like maybe he was raised by dogs because he loves eating food, um, any food. Like, even if I cook, like, vegan, it doesn't matter. Vegan butter, he loves it. Real butter, he loves it. Milk, he loves it. Coconut oil, doesn't matter. If it's got, like, fatty content, he will eat it. If it's a carb, he will eat it. Like, doesn't matter. Macaroni and cheese, freaking a bagel, like, Whatever it is. Anyways, so he's like a dog in that sense. So he will just like eat anything. And he also likes to eat the garbage. And he also loves cuddling. And he's also very vocal. So I wonder, part of me wonders like, was this cat raised with dogs? I don't know. Oh my God, I wish I could move the thing to show you right now. He is being, oh my God. Okay, wait. Just take as many photos as you can. We'll post them all. We'll have a little cat appreciation post. (laughs) It's actually perfect because I end most of my episodes saying go pet a dog and I always forget to add cats or rabbits or ferrets or whatever the hell animal you have. <laughs> Oreo's so cute. Yes, he is big baby. And I'm big baby, so it works. We're big babies together. So Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, I am all out of questions for you. Do you have any closing remarks about your cat or about making um, whatever you like? Um, no, I don't think so. I'm just very great. This was fun. Thank you. Oh, you now, so. after like listening to these podcasts that I love so much, I'm like, oh my God, I'm on one now. You're a podcast <laughs> guest. What? 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 So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you so much. And thank you so much, Faxi. And good questions too. Oh, thank you very much.
got me right. right. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That is the best guest to have. We love to hear all the things. And also, like, I I know that guests sometimes are nervous and they want to talk about something very specific. But I like that you just talked about your cat because you care about him. Because those are the other things that make us human and things we care about make us us. And I just appreciate that you shared about him because it's a very wholesome story. Yeah, I love telling that story because it's it's a it's a good one. I went from like anti fiercely anti cat to like <laughs> absolute cat parent over here. So <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, everybody, that was Paxi talking about making art, being a creator creator of things, no matter what the thing, and also her cat Oreo, their cat Oreo. Sorry. Um, tune in next time when I have another guest, um, have a Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah or whatever it is that you celebrate and, uh, go pet your, yeah, Happy Yule. That's another one. Go pet your animal that you have. Awesome. See you next time.